Welcome to Family Law Talk, presented by Kirk Stange of Stange Law Firm, PC. Stange Law Firm is a family law firm in the St. Louis metro area with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stange. Welcome to Family Law Talk. My name is Kirk Stenge, and I am one of the managing partners of Stenge Law Firm, which is a family law firm with multiple offices in Missouri and in Illinois. Well, welcome today to Family Law Talk with Stenge Law Firm. Today's topic is a very interesting one that has hit the news quite a bit. And uh, the title of uh, today's episode is, What are the Rights of Sperm Donors? And this is based on an article on our blog, stofathersrights.com dated May 17, 2014, and the title of the article is Actors' Custody Dispute Continues with Appellate Win. And then if you look uh, below today's episode where we have the description of the episode, if, you, if you're if uh, you uh, listening to this from Blog Talk Radio itself, there's a webpage you can actually go to to get more information on this topic, and uh, the website is standupforgus.com. So a very interesting topic uh, we'll get into it in just a minute, but I will state, as I always do, that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements, and that the information you obtain today in the episode is general in nature, and it may not apply to specific factual or legal circumstance. Therefore, if you uh, require legal advice, you should definitely consult an attorney who's licensed and competent to practice law in your specific jurisdiction. And I would say that's particularly true in, in, in today's episode as well. Uh, where you're dealing with some unique aspects based on how the law is worded in various different states. So let's get into the topic itself. Again, it's a very interesting one. Um, I think with uh, advancing medical technology and uh, advances in terms of uh, the ability of uh, couples to get pregnant uh, uh, outside of sexual intercourse uh, through medical uh, procedures, I think this article uh, and this topic is particularly uh, important because uh, realistically this could become a situation for for a Missouri couple, for example, or an Illinois couple. And so that's why I wanted to spend some time talking about this topic today because I think it's really relevant and it might be a situation that uh, could really culminate in some kind of case in Missouri and Illinois at some point. Uh, but here's the deal. In essence, uh, you know, there's an actor by the name of Jason Patrick, a uh, pretty popular um, uh, actor apparently he his, what, I think his grandfather is Jackie Gleason is what I read online at least uh, so uh, we're talking a pretty popular actor a guy that's been around for a long time uh, and, and this case involves him and he's been uh, all throughout the news uh, promoting uh, really this topic and he's been on a lot of TV shows uh, he's got a web page as I indicated standupforgust.com and if you go to that web page you'll see he's got a lot of uh, support from Hollywood celebrities on this topic as well. So I think in light of that and in light of the fact that uh, medical technology is really increasing, I thought this would be a good topic for Family Law Talk with Stenge Law Firm today. But let's, let's kind of go through the facts, at least in terms of how it's reported. There's actually a reported uh, California decision that came out on this case, a California Court of Appeals decision. I'm going to go through what, what they reported and just from reading the opinion, what it appears they did. But what I'm more interested in, since I'm a Missouri and Illinois attorney, is is asking the question 
which is what would happen in Missouri and what would happen in Illinois under the same fact pattern. So not so interested in terms of what California did in that, I mean, I'm not a California attorney. I'm not licensed to press there, so I'm certainly not giving legal advice to California residents. But I want to take this fact pattern, which we'll go through, and we'll discuss what it appears the California court did. Uh, But I want to ask a question. If this fact pattern or a similar fact pattern happened happened in Missouri, uh, what would happen? Because realistically, uh, that could ultimately be the case. Uh, So let's talk about this. Uh, Apparently, uh, Jason Patrick is in a relationship or was in a relationship uh, with with a lady for a long period of time. They were never married. Uh, According to the facts of this court of appeal case, which you could actually probably Google if you wanted to read it online, it's Jason P. versus Daniel S., and it's in the Court of Appeals of the State of California for the Second Appellate uh, District, and uh, and this is Division Four, and it looks like the the case number is uh, B two eight six two nine. So you could Google this and probably read this for yourself. But apparently, Jason and Dan Yellow uh, cohabitated for many years, but they never married. Uh, uh, they tried uh, to get pregnant. Um, uh, for really a substantial period of time. And according to the the opinion, Daniel tried to have a baby naturally beginning in 2006. And then although she became pregnant in December 2006, apparently the pregnancy was not viable after six six and a half weeks. And then in 2007, Danielle had two uh, 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 intrauterine insemination procedures using Jason's sperm, but neither resulted in pregnancy. And then in October of 2007, after being advised that their inability to uh, uh, to have a child at this point was due to uh, apparently Jason's sperm count, Jason had a surgical procedure to address the problem. And then uh, she and Jason began to look into having an IVF procedure in order to get Danielle pregnant. Um, so then after that takes place in May of 2008, uh, Danielle moved out of Jason's home and bought a home nearby. In other words, apparently these two split uh, in some capacity, uh, the following month, uh, Danielle purchased sperm of an anonymous donor from a sperm bank and told Jason she was going to pursue motherhood as a single mother. And then at some point in the fall of 2008, she looked at a website for single mothers uh, by choice to learn about her rights. Uh, and uh, she apparently learned in, in looking there that uh, a man who gives his sperm for artificial insemination is never treated in the law as the father <clears throat> and then so from there in september 2008 she actually moves back into the home with jason uh while the house she bought was being remodeled and then in november of 2008 or january 2009 uh, jason uh, gave danielle a letter in which he wrote that he was not ready to be a father but if danielle wanted to use his sperm to conceive she had his blessing as long as she did not tell others and again this is just all according to the court of appeals decision so danielle uh, agrees, uses Jason's sperm rather than the anonymous sperm donor sperm she had purchased, uh, um, and, and ultimately uh, became pregnant. Um, uh, apparently, Jason signed a series of consent forms uh, provided uh, by the place called California Fertility Partners, which is what it appears like. It looks uh, as if that's where the uh, you know the the IVF procedure took place. And and so a child was ultimately born, a boy named Gus, 
And according to the case, Jason presented evidence regarding his relationship with uh, Gus and Danielle over the next two and a half years. For example, he presented evidence that Daniel referred uh, to Jason as uh, Dada when speaking to Gus and that Gus called Jason Dada. And uh, it appears that there's lots of other evidence out there to show that that, uh, there was a a father-son relationship here. So when Jason was working in New York for six months, Danielle and Gus flew there several times and stayed with Jason in his apartment. And then when Danielle and Gus were not in New York with Jason, Jason communicated with Gus over the Internet by Skype and continued to maintain a long-term relationship until the middle of 2012 when apparently – uh, the relationship between uh, Jason and Danwell went south. And then at that point, at least according to the opinion, uh, it, it appears as if uh, uh, Jason uh, was really uh, denied contact from that point forward, which then culminated into uh, litigation uh, between the two of them over custody of Gus. And then ultimately the argument that was raised uh, by Danielle was this, which I think is shocking to a lot of people. Um, but but to a family law attorney, and if you look at the statutes, uh, actually somewhat predictable argument. Uh, and the argument uh, that she made was, in essence, uh, if you look at the California statute itself, that the, that a, a man who donates his sperm uh, is not treated as the father if he's not married to the woman at the time. And so that that was, in essence, the argument of Danielle in the case, that Jason had no rights because he donated his sperm, and he did it through a licensed physician, and he wasn't married to her at the time. And so, in essence, she claimed that he wasn't the father, he wasn't the presumed father uh, under California law, and he should be booted off the case and not have a right to pursue custody of Gus. And at the trial court, that ultimately worked. Uh, and so then this case uh, goes up on appeal, uh, and then, you know, Mr. Patrick, I mean, during this process is you know, pretty visible out there, as I indicated. He's got the web page, and he's been on – I've seen him on multiple TV shows on this topic. And, and this case goes up on appeal. And then recently, May 14, 2014, uh, the Court of Appeals uh, in California, if you read the opinion, reversed the decision of the trial court. And, and they did it based on specific California law uh, that's cited in the opinion – and uh, uh, that's what I think is kind of interesting here. If you look at uh, what the case talks about, as it indicates that a presumed father would be, uh, uh, it, it gives se- several uh, specific things that a, a man would have to prove to, to prove that he was a presumed father, one of which is a presumed parent, the mother, are or have been married, and the child was born during the marriage or within 300 days after the marriage. Or two, the presumed parent and the mother have attempted to marry before the child's birth, but the marriage was declared invalid. Or three, the presumed parent and mother married or attempted to marry after the child's birth, and the presumed parent with his or her consent is named on the child's birth certificate, or the presumed parent is obligated to support the child under a written agreement. Or four, the presumed parent receives a child into his or her home and openly holds out the child as his natural child. Or five, the child was conceived after the death of the presumed parent under the conditions set forth in the probate code. And so, in other words, uh, if you read this case, um, 
for Mr. Patrick to succeed, he had to prove one of these exceptions applied uh, that, that in essence made him a presumed father. The trial court said none of these applied. He wasn't even entitled to hearing. What the Court of Appeals said is they looked at number four, uh, which is the presumed parent receives a child into his or her home and openly holds out the child as his or her natural child. And so the reversal reversed to have a hearing to determine whether or not uh, Mr. Patrick did uh, uh, take this child into his or her home and openly hold out the child as is uh, his or her natural child. And so that's, when it goes back to the trial court, that presumably is going to be the issue before the trial court. Uh, and so you take you take what happened there, then you look at the Missouri statutes, and I think it uh, is very, very interesting when you look at the Missouri statutes. And that's why I say, uh, and same with Illinois statutes, you have a real question about uh, what would happen under a similar fact pattern uh, in Missouri and Illinois. So let's think about this. A lot of folks these days live together. Uh, they don't get married. A lot of folks have kids uh, uh, unmarried. Forty uh, percent of kids are born out of wedlock uh, in the United States today. And and obviously, you know, uh, you know, a lot of children born naturally. So, that, you know, you don't have IVF procedures or you don't have medical personnel involved in order to impregnate uh, the mom. Uh, but in some instances, you just have to conceive that's got to be happening. There's got to be couples who live together who aren't married uh, that that can't get pregnant, just like the facts of this case. And 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 the, so they go see a doctor. Uh, uh, the husband donates sperm, and, and and then the mom gets pregnant. And and you just have to wonder, like I said, whether. Uh, this fact pattern will play itself out in the Missouri and Illinois courts, and then you have to wonder what would the Missouri or Illinois courts do under Missouri and Illinois law with the same fact pattern. So let's explore that here for a moment, because that's kind of the bulk of the topic I wanted to get here today. Uh, interestingly, if you look at uh, Missouri and Illinois law, they both have statutes uh, that appear to be uh, similar to the California law. In other words, uh, uh, in terms of sperm donors, if you look at RSMO 210-824-2, it states the donor of semen provided to a licensed physician for use in artificial insemination of a married woman other than the donor's wife is treated in laws if he were not the natural father of a child thereby conceived. So if you're living with a girlfriend, for example, and you can't get pregnant naturally, and you donate sperm to impregnate uh, your girlfriend, uh, under Missouri law, if you look at this statute, if you do it and you do it through a licensed physician under 210-824-2, uh, you're not to be treated as the natural file, father of the child conceived. Um, so, again, that's that's similar to uh, what the California statute is. And then if you look in uh, Illinois, 750 ILCS 40-3, um, it in essence says the same thing under subsection B. It says a donor of semen provided to a licensed physician for use in artificial insemination of a woman other than the donor's wife shall be treated in law as if he were not the natural father of a child thereby conceived. So Illinois law, the same thing. Uh, under the statute, if you're living with your girlfriend, you donate sperm to impregnate her. Uh, under the statute, you're not to be treated as the natural father of the child if you're not married to her at the time. I mean, I think that's interesting. I think that's, like, shocking to a lot of people. Uh, a, a lot of people probably have never really contemplated that reality if they uh, are having kids with somebody through uh, 
to a licensed physician because they can't get pregnant naturally. Probably never considered this idea. And obviously, in a lot of instances, the mom might not raise the argument that Danielle raised in this case with Jason Patrick. In a lot of these cases, uh, the mom might consent to the dad you know, having custody and visitation time with the child. Uh, but if a situation ever arises where, uh, where mom takes the same position as Danielle did uh, uh, in this case with Jason Patrick, um, it, it's potentially problematic and, and potentially could result in in some pretty uh, rigorous litigation in the state of Missouri, the state of Illinois. The interesting thing I will will state, and I think this is the other big problem piece, is uh, under the California statute cited in this case, um, they create five basis for which an individual could be uh, deemed a presumed uh, father under the statute. And, uh, you know, the one basis that ultimately carried the day in this California Court of Appeals case was the, the subsection that said the presumed parent receives a child into his or her home and openly holds out the child as his or her natural parent. Uh, that is not in Missouri or the Illinois statutes, as far as I can tell. I've got these statutes in front of me, and I'm reading through them, but uh, 22822 RSMO 210-822 is a Missouri statute, and they give four ways that a man is presumed to be the natural father of a child. One is he and the child's natural mother are or have been married to each other, and the child is born during the marriage or within 300 days after the marriage is terminated by death, annulment, declaration of invalidity or dissolution or degree of separation is entered by a court. So, again, married. If you're married at the time the child's born, you're the presumed father. Uh, two, birth or before the child's birth, he and the natural mother have attempted to marry each other by a marriage solemnized and apparent compliance with the law, although the attempted marriage is or may be declared invalid. Uh, then it gives a couple of subsections there. But again, uh, you're talking about attempting to marry. Uh, so married, attempted to marry, or three, after the child's birth, uh, he and the child's natural mother have married or attempted to marry each other by a marriage solemnized and apparent compliance with the law, although the marriage is or may be declared invalid. So again, attempted to marry. Uh, and then four, an expert concludes that blood tests show that the alleged parent is not excluded and that the probability of paternity is 98% or higher using a probability of 0 0.5. And so <clears throat> obviously a sperm donor who donates sperm uh, to child or to, to a mom in order to have a child, I mean, the paternity test is going to show them to be the dad. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got this other statute in Missouri, uh, 210-824-2, which indicates a donor of sperm is not to be treated as the natural father of a child. So, I mean, I think under the Missouri courts, kind of a huge conflict between 210-824-2 and then 210-822-4. And if you're a sperm donor, I suppose you try to, re to, to rely on subsection 4 to indicate uh, that there's a 98% or higher chance uh, that you're the father uh, but on the other hand, a mom who might take the position of Danielle uh, it, it could easily rely on this same statute, just as Danielle did in the California case, to state, look, uh, sperm donor not to be treated as a natural father. And on top of it, uh, unlike the case in California, uh, bringing the child into his or her home and openly holding out the child as his or her natural child, that that's not going to be good enough under Missouri law. And then if you look at uh, Illinois, uh, Illinois, uh, I mean, you're basically dealing with the same things, which is, again, sperm donor not to be treated as the natural father of a child. 
And, and again, you're dealing with the same things. And the statute 750 ILCS 45 slash 5, and again, it's that the parents have married uh, or they attempted to marry, uh, that they've signed an acknowledgement of paternity. Uh, um, and, and those are the things that are discussed in the statute itself. But it's it's really problematic because I don't see uh, the subsection that indicates that if a if a sperm donor takes a child into his or her home and openly holds out the child as his or her natural child, that that would be good enough. And so, listen, I think the moral here is what are the rights of sperm donors, and specifically in Missouri and Illinois, and, and I think I think if you look at the at the statutes in Missouri and Illinois, you know, sperm donors who are married uh, to their wife at the time uh, that they donate the sperm, they're not going to have any issues under the Missouri or the Illinois statutes. But realistically speaking, if you're living uh, with a girlfriend and you, you decide to donate sperm uh, in order to impregnate your girlfriend and then you later split up and you think uh, that there's not potential problems here in terms of your custody rights to your child, I think... Uh, you might be sadly mistaken. And, and uh, look, the statutes probably don't contemplate the medical advances that have taken place. They probably don't contemplate the fact that, you know, more folks today are living together uh, outside of marriage and in relationships and perhaps in the past. Uh, uh, but the statutes, the statute right now, and practically speaking, uh, I think uh, sperm donors in terms of their rights have, have uh, specific uh, hurdles and pitfalls uh, that folks that uh, you know don't have if they're married and they're sperm donors. So I think it's a very interesting topic and one that I really encourage the listeners to uh, uh, to spend some more time uh, researching, especially if uh, you're a dad or you're a dad to be and you're and you're considering donating sperm to somebody which you're not married to. You ought to kind of look at the law here uh, specifically because there's there's uh, you know some dangers out there. So in any case, that's the topic here today. I hope you all found it interesting. Uh, again, as a follow-up to today's episode, you can go to stlfathersrights.com and you can read the article titled Actors' Custody Dispute Continues with Appellate Win. And then again, you can check out the webpage that Jason Patrick set up uh, titled standupforgust.com. Definitely an interesting topic. I hope you all enjoyed it. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode of Family Law Talk with Stangy Law Firm. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.